Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. Hey everyone. Oh yeah, if you need a Bible, uh, there are Bibles that Glenn, a fabulous volunteer in the back, is going to deliver to you. Raise your hand and they'll bring one to you. Uh, you know what's really exciting is that, um, well, my name's Conrad. I, I was a youth pastor here until last August. And there are some of you here that I have not met. And that's really exciting for me um, to, to have been gone from a church for uh, however many months that is. What month is it? April? Eight months? Something like that. Uh, and for there to be new folks. That's really exciting. That's really cool. Um, so get on, you guys. Thank you for being here. Um, and since there are some folks who haven't met me, I just want to tell you a little bit about who I am. Um, I grew up at this church. Uh, my dad uh, was a pastor before, and we were moving around, and we came here when I was in kindergarten in 1999. Um, and so, I, you know, our, our, our children's uh, classrooms kind of go from little to bigger and I so I worked my my way over there and I was in the youth group I was in here and um, and this is so much of 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 my life so much of my story um, is is in this church and, and having this church family you know many many saints who have passed on before who, who, who poured into my life and um, you know shaped me into the man who I am today and many of you are here, so praise God for that. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so it's it's awesome to be here. It's special to be here. Um, and God called me to, to serve here at this church. Um, and uh, so I was a youth pastor here for eight years, <laughs> which is crazy. But um, uh, now um, my wife and I and our, and our son, um, there they are in the back. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Judah. Um, we uh, live up at a camp in Nevada City called Diamond Arrow that's uh, part of our, our church network. And so many of you, Diamond Arrow is a, is a part of your story and who you are um, and how God has spoken to you. Um, and that's how it was for me. I grew up going to that camp and, uh, and God called us to, to move up there and live up there and work up there. And that's uh, really cool. Also, shameless plug, if you're not doing anything Memorial Day, we have a, a work day <laughs> where we will feed you lunch. starts at 9 a.m. It's a lot of fun. You get to hang out with your friends and, and serve a ministry where people get to step away, retreat from normal life for a little bit to get recentered with the Lord and to, and to go back. And there are also you know, evangelistic camps that, that invite people to know Jesus for the first time. So if you're looking for an opportunity to serve, also... If you need community service um, because you're a, a high school student or other reasons, that's fine. Uh, you can get community service there um, at uh, at uh, Diamond Arrow um, Memorial Day Workday. So that's just an absolute shameless plug. Uh, today um, we're going to be uh, continuing in this in in the Book of Acts. We're reading in Acts chapter one, verses four and five. And we're talking about the power and necessity of the Spirit in the church. Uh, before we dive into that, I just want to pause for a moment uh, to, to pray. So if you'll, if you'll join me. Oh, Lord God, you are uh, so good. And just like we sang and just like my, my dad, he said he wasn't going to preach, but he preached. And, and I thank you for that. Um, that uh, you have been so good to us even before we knew, even before 
Um, and just like Randy says, just like Paul says in Romans, that we were still sinners. And Christ, you died for us. Um, and we thank you. We thank you that you are the almighty creator of heaven and earth. And the evidence of who you are is everywhere. And, uh, and we, as rebellious sinners, we ignored it for so long. Um, and we believed the lies about um, what the earth is and where it came from. But Lord, you you brought us in. You showed us your truth. Um, God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would, would fill this place, would speak to us, to, would minister to each one of us, Lord. Um, God, I just want to submit my words and my heart to you that, that, um, that today's message would be from you, and not, not from my desires, but it would be yours, Lord. Um, so, so speak today, Spirit, please, please. We love you, and we just want to glorify you today in everything we do pray this in Jesus name. Amen. All right, so we're turning to Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, which I believe, I, I watched the sermon that um, Greg gave last weekend. I think he said that was page 905. 905. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Sorry, I hadn't, didn't even start preaching and I was already crying. Man. <laughs> All right, let's, let's read together, starting in verse 4. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a short passage, but there's a lot in here. And does church get out at 11? Um, <laughs> just, just want to make sure that I, you know, uh, pace myself properly. Um, there are four things that I want to talk about in this verse, and we're going to read this verse and, and break it down many times. Um, four things that I want to talk about. First is that word commanded. Second is this idea of waiting until the Father sends the gift. Third is baptism. We talked about John the Baptist, so we're going to talk about that some. And then lastly, I'm going to talk about you. So, um, so let's jump into it. So he says, uh, it says that Jesus commanded them. And you know what? So funny. My dad and I, man, we're so much alike. He, he asked the question that I wanted to ask. How many of you love it when people tell you to do something you don't want to do? Is that, isn't that just what you, like, isn't it great? Um, it, when, when someone who thinks differently than you, who doesn't understand what your plan is, what you're hoping to do with your time and with your life, they instruct you to do something that would force you to step out of your normal realm of life. And it's, it's an inconvenience. It's really difficult. That's what a command is. Exactly what a command is. Someone else is in charge and I'm not. Um, that's, I remember preaching, preaching a few years ago and, and coming to this point of, of uh, like humility as Christians. We need to be humble. Um, and it's so anti-American. Uh, humility is just like not what America stands for. America stands for individuality. I am in charge. I have the freedom to be who I want to be. Um, and like literally, I remember looking up... Uh, 
uh, angry Americans and finding out so much and like seeing this podcast. But like even our our very foundation is like Britain telling us what to do and us saying no, you can't tell me what to do. We're gonna throw your tea into the bay. Um, that's that's uh, that's part of our culture and, and who we are. And Jesus wants to transform us and wants to make us different. The basic definition of what it means to be a Christian is that Jesus is king. He's in charge. He calls the shots, which means that he can command me to do something I don't want to do. Um, and here he is commanding his disciples. Um, and let's just stop for a moment to think about this, this moment in Acts. Jesus is the long-prophesied and awaited Messiah, the, the Savior of Israel, the, the, the Son of Man, like it says in Daniel 7, who the ancient days God is going to give all authority to him, and his dominion and reign will, will last forever and ever. It will have no end. And he arrives miraculously through the birth of a virgin girl, and grows up and, is, and, and has many people confirm over and over again, yes, this is the Christ. This is, who he, this is exactly who we've been waiting for. And in his life, he, he proves it. He heals people. He, he raises people from the dead. Um, and he speaks with boldness. He forgives sins. Uh, he frustrates religious people. <laughs> this, is, this is who Jesus is. Um, and he gives up his life. He dies on a cross, nails through his hands, through his feet. He hangs on the cross until he dies. And after he dies, just to make sure, they stab him in the, spy, in the side and they bury him. He's buried on a Friday and on a Sunday morning, he raises from the dead. And even his disciples don't believe him. And, and they're confused and everything's weird and... And that's where we are here. He's alive. And in the verses that we read, that, that Greg preached on last week, it says that um, there was 40 days after his, cru- tru- after his crucifixion that he appeared to them many different times. And, and this passage, what he says right here, what we just read, is just one of those moments. And so just imagine the weight of those words and probably also the confusion and mystery that are in those words. That you're like, okay, like, it, what... What, what is going on? Are you really here? Is this really happening? What are we supposed to do now? What is the plan? Um, and he commands them, wait. That's what I want you to do. I want you to wait. Uh, and you can tell that the disciples are confused if any of you are reading ahead in Acts. Oh, don't you dare read ahead. No, you're, you're allowed to read ahead. Don't worry. Um, but like the next verse, literally the next verse is the disciples saying, so are you going to conquer Rome? <laughs> is that still happening? And Jesus is like, oh, guys, okay. Um, I, so they're confused, and, but, but obviously his words have so much weight because this is someone who was dead and is now alive. And you know what? Even while he was alive, he told them that that was going to happen, and they didn't believe him. Peter was like, no, you're not going to die, Jesus. We're not going to let that happen. Um, yeah, good, good job, Peter. We love you. We're so much like you. Um, but these words have so much weight. And, and so when he commands them, there's, there's this, you know, I'm sure frustration of like, wait here in Jerusalem, 
what do you mean? I, I want to I go home. There, there's so much time in between feasts. That, um, so it's, it's an inconvenience. But also, can you imagine the joy of the resurrected Savior telling you what to do and knowing that there's such importance and weight to this? Like, okay, I'll do what you say. And that's what God does to us Christians, is, is he transforms our hearts. He, he takes us out of our culture, our American selfish culture, and transforms us into people who love him so much that it's not hard to obey his commands. Physically, it's difficult. But, man, when you love someone, it's not hard to obey them. Um, for example, my wife, this happens all the time. I come home from work, super tired, and I just go to sit down, and she says, before you sit down, Yes, dear. <laughs> would, you, would you move the long, laundry along? Okay, yes. I love you so much. Yes, I will. <laughs> um, and Jesus even says it um, uh, in, in John 15. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I remember reading that as a kid and being like, well, that's really presumptuous that like love equals just obeying commands. But man, when, when you love someone so much, it's just not that hard. Even though it's going to be an inconvenience, it's like, of course, yeah, whatever you ask. I'll do whatever you ask. Yeah, I'll go out of my way for you. Um, and that's what, that's what God's going to call you to do. He's going to call you to go out of your way. Um, Christians, we're, we're weird people. Um, we no longer are um, bound by the cultural norms. Uh, those are not the ultimate thing for us. Those are not the final, most important thing for us. Um, for example, cultural norm, if you're on an airplane, please just shut up. We're, we're stuck in this tube flying through the air. It's already going to be miserable. Just don't talk to me. <laughs> and yet, as a Christian, many times he's going to call you to talk to the person next to you, which is going to be annoying because the gospel is annoying to a rebel heart. Uh, God is going to call you to talk to the person, to, to cross the street, interrupt someone. They're on the phone and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I know you're on the phone, but, um, but uh, God just drew me to you and I feel like I need to tell you something. That's just annoying and culturally inappropriate. Um, however, there's the cultural norms and like, okay, these are the rules for, for the culture. And then there's God's commands. And I don't really care about these that much anymore. If God calls me to do something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw away all other commands and I'm going to do what he calls me to do. Um, and that's going to get us in trouble. And it has. <laughs> in human history, the, the Christians have been troublemakers um, because, because we say, I, I, I appreciate your authority. Thank you, government, for everything that you do. You're not in charge of me. I'm sorry. I, I, I serve an almighty king who is so much more powerful than you. You don't even know it, but he actually put you in charge and only for a short season. His kingdom lasts forever. This kingdom's gonna end. So although you're asking me to do something, I'm actually gonna do what God told me to do and say, I love you, God loves you. <laughs> um, so we listen to his commands, that's what we do. Okay, second is this idea of waiting upon the Lord. The command that he gave them was, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gifts, gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He calls them to wait. Now, we're reading this 2,000 years later. We, we know what's going on. 
we're aware that the Holy Spirit is going to descend on the apostles at Pentecost. We know that Jesus was crucified at Passover. At, it's 50 days between the Sabbath after Passover to, to um, Pentecost. Um, if, if, if Luke really means that Jesus appeared to them for 40 days before he ascended, Sometimes that's like a metaphor for like a long time, you know, like 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Like it's kind of like saying he, it was forever. It was like a thousand years. Sometimes it's like that in the Bible, but it also might mean really 40 days. Um, so that so if it's 40 days and it's 50 days between the feasts, this might be 10 days that the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit, um, which. If you don't know, like that, that's a, that could be a long time. You're just you're in the room, you're praying, you 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 were planning on going home. You have to make provisions for being here instead. Um, and Jesus ascends, so they're here in this upper room praying and waiting, uh, without direction, not really knowing what's going on, except that they're just supposed to be here waiting and praying. Um, and God's going to send a gift. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. Um. So we know that it's 10 days, or 7 days, whatever, however long it, actually, it was. They don't know that. They have no clue. All they know is the command from Jesus to wait. So, I mean, it doesn't say, hey, stay here in Jerusalem until Pentecost, and then something really cool is going to happen. No, he didn't say that. They're, they're planning on staying there until something happened. It's an indefinite command as far as time is concerned. He didn't give them a time. He gave them a result. He said, you're going to stay here until this result happens. Um, it could have been years. Absolutely could have been years. And you know what? They would have been confused. They would have been waiting. But they would have done it. Because it's the command of the Lord. And this is right. This is what we're supposed to do. Um, but even 10 days is a long time <laughs> to, to be waiting. Um, but also Israel in the past had waited 70 years to be, uh, for, for Babylon to be can uh, conquered. They're like, hey, yeah, uh, Israel will be, will be saved, but it's going to be in 70 years. Or they've been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. And uh, so in Israel's history, there's been long periods of waiting. And these guys might be kind of getting ready for that. They might, okay, well, it's going to be a while. Here we go. Let's wait. Um, so in that context, 10 days is pretty expedient. Um, but this verse matters a lot to me because it, it is so much of my testimony. Um, like I told you, grew up in this church. Praise God for that. There's something special that happens when you have parents who pray for you. Not everyone has that. So, like, I, I, I knew God. I knew about him, and I felt his presence, felt his leading many times throughout my life. Um... But there, but I also had a plan for my life. I, I knew what I wanted to do, um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be an engineer. So I was I was after high school I was gonna I was gonna go to college and, and get an engineering degree and be an engineer. That was that was my plan. And after high school, I didn't get into the college that I wanted to because I wasn't. I didn't pay enough attention to application deadlines, so I didn't even apply. <laughs> I, and so I was like, okay, no, it's all right. I can go to community college, and then I'll take some engineering classes, and I'll transfer. Um, so I went to ARC for, for a few years, Sierra for a few years, 
and never once did I take an engineering class because there's so many prerequisites and those prerequisite classes have such long wait lists that I never got in. Um, and every semester was filled with frustration and like defeat because I'd be on the wait list, I wouldn't get in, and then I'd just be stuck with like English and science and social studies. And I didn't care about those things at that time. Um, I was like, I took those classes in high school. But it, it was uh, the spring of 2014. I was signing up for classes again, and I felt the dread. I, I, you know, they have like a shopping cart, right? So you put your classes in. And, and I saw the classes. I'm like, I'm not going to get into those. I'm just, it's going to be the exact same cycle. I, I'm, I'm going to not get into the class, be stuck with the classes that I don't care about, and I'm just going to be depressed. And I'm going to spend another semester in this cycle and so I prayed and I said to God, I, I don't want to do this. My plans are not working and I just want to do whatever you want to. I'll take the classes you tell me to sign up for. Um, so I deleted all those classes from my shopping cart and I only felt like I was supposed to sign up for two classes. And uh, those, it was a public speaking class and a, and a music theory class. And I didn't get into either of them. So then all of a sudden I wasn't going to college and uh, I, I told my dad that, and we had a rule that was like, you can still live at home as long as you're attending school. So I told him, hey, look, I, I'm not going to school, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a better paying job. I'm going to move out. And he said, I can tell that you're listening to the Lord, so just hold off on that. Um, and so then I just spent all of my time chasing after the Lord, saying, what is your plan? What do you want me to do? Um, so, like, I was still working at Jamba Juice, I was coming here to church, but, like, I knew, I, I know that there's, like, three things at that time. I was like, there's three things that I can do to draw closer to the Lord. Go to church, read my Bible, and pray. And so that's what I did. If I, if I wasn't at work, I was here. If I wasn't here, I was doing Bible studies with friends. If I wasn't doing that, I was at home in my room, reading, praying, chasing after the Lord. And... And then it was March or April when I, I was talking to him about the crucifixion. And he asked him, why would someone go through the, that? Why would someone willingly put themselves through that crucifixion? And the forensic scientist just says, the only reason I can think of is love. And in that moment, God met me. And, and I felt his presence in a way that I had never felt before. And even though I knew him, even though I had been led by him, there was this daily presence. And I said, I want to be close to God like that as often as I can. So I'll do whatever it takes. Like that, This is the purpose of my life. I know that this is it. So I'm going to pursue him. But and I, I share that testimony because it was this. It was this, this moment where God told me to wait. It was January that I didn't get into the classes. And I wish I remembered the date, but it was like March or April. It was like a couple of months where I was just like, okay, with all of my available time, I'm just going to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to listen for his voice. I'm going to chase after him. This is an essential part of pursuing Jesus. It's the basis of prayer. It's what we do. We, we wait and we listen for him. We wait for him to direct our steps. And uh, I've, I've heard some, some Christians say, like, well, I mean, it's not really practical, though, because like, you'll just kind of be stuck in this spiritual paralysis if, you, if you're waiting and asking God to, to lead your steps. I was like, and, and it is. It's a little bit impractical. But God gets all the glory. 
Um, if, if like the worst thing that could happen, well, if you're going worst case scenario, the worst case scenario is always that you die. But in, in Christian economy, that's not that bad. Um, but worst case scenario, if I spend all day waiting for the Lord and I don't feel him calling me anywhere, then I spend an entire day praying. <clears throat> maybe my boss wonders where I am. You know, maybe, maybe I miss out on relational opportunities. Maybe I miss out on, on uh, business opportunities. Maybe I, I, there's some chores around the house that I didn't do. Um, and don't get me wrong, those, those things are important. But let's just, let's just talk theoretically. The worst thing that happens is stuff doesn't get done, people don't know where I am, and I spent all day in the Lord's presence. Depends on what your priorities are. But man, if you want to hear the Lord's voice, what else matters? What else matters? And, and look, God calls people to have jobs. He calls you to commitments <laughs> to your house and to your friends. And so listen to his voice when he's calling you to go to work. But, but there's something special about being a Christian and saying, God, I'm not going to move until you tell me to. Um, and, then when, and then when you tell me to move, I'm not going to waste a second. I'm going to go as soon as you tell me to. And that's, that's what the disciples do. They wait. And, and, and they get antsy. You guys are going to read and study it later. <laughs> later. I think they get kind of confused and aren't sure what to do. They, they, they're like, we got to do something. Um, so that's waiting upon the Lord. Next, I want to talk about baptism. This word has a lot of cultural meanings for us uh, because it's a part of it's part of what we do. We, we celebrate baptism. We get stoked about it. Um, and, and it's kind of part of our ch- church service, part of our church culture. But just to get down to the root of it, the word itself just means to immerse or dunk. That's it. So a water baptism, at its very simplest, is you getting dunked in water. <laughs> at its very simplest. Um, but there's obviously some meaning more than just getting dunked. Um, so what he says here is that John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, going to that simple definition, immersed in water versus immersed in the Spirit. That's kind of that's kind of interesting to think about. But uh, in every in in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John the Baptist says the same thing, which is really awesome. That like I baptize with water, but one is coming who's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And he also says um, a little bit more in, in John, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. He had this baptism of repentance, that people would turn around from their sin and would pursue God instead. And he says, but someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gather the wheat into his barn, but, the, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. That was always a scary verse when I was a kid. Um, it, because when I, when I read this verse, I was always thinking like, oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be burnt with unquenchable fire. Um, but what he's talking about here is is baptized uh, that Jesus is coming uh, and he's going to do some uh, farming work. He's going to thresh, he's going to winnow, and then he's going to and then he's going to store away in barns. Uh, I didn't really know 
all too much about what these meant because I'm not a farmer. But don't worry, I googled it, so so we're okay. And and wheat is on a stalk and it has a head of grain. Threshing is the process of hitting the stalk until the the head of grain falls off. And winnowing is the process of using a pitchfork to grab those heads of grain, lift them up in the air so that the chaff, the chaff can be blown away in the wind and the good wheat can fall without the chaff. And then he talks about gathering up the wheat and burning the chaff. This is, this is, what, this is a personal process. This is God working on us. This is him taking us, saying, you, I, I'm transforming you and making you new. You have no power on your own to get to the goodness that's in you, but through my Holy Spirit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change you. I'm going to make you new. He gets rid of the stock. He gets rid of the chaff in our life, and, he's, and he takes the grain, and he gets to the good of who, of who we are, that he made us to be. And this is what he wants to do. He wants to baptize with Holy Spirit and with fire. He wants to purify us, make us holy, make us um, complete. Baptized with Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Um, but so there, there's two these two different types of baptism. The baptism with with water is a declaration that I am a sinner and I need to repent and I want to face God. I want to pursue Him with everything. I want to be cleansed. And then the baptism with the Holy Spirit is the only possible way to live out what we declared at water baptism. I, I want to pursue God with everything that I have. And I'm powerless to do it. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is what makes us able to do it. But again, baptism in the Holy Spirit, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a term that especially in the last hundred years or so has a lot of connotations with it, a lot of different meanings to a lot of different groups of people. A lot of people saying, this is what it looks like. A lot of people saying, this is definitely not what it looks like. And, and so much gray area in between. But at its very simplest, being baptized in the Spirit means being immersed in the Spirit, dunked in the Spirit, completely. Okay, and, and then, and then here's, here's this idea. Let's just talk about water for a second. To be immersed in water. I'm thinking about a couple of situations. Maybe a flood or a hurricane. Completely overtaken by water. Too much water for me to handle, and I die. And that's the symbol of baptism. Paul talks about that. He's, he's talking about how we're not, we don't serve the world's rules anymore. We're obedient to Christ. And, and, and one of the points that he makes is when you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ's death. You died with him in the water, and then you were risen to new life. He says that baptism is actually death and resurrection. And so Christians cheer when, when people die because we know they're being resurrected. We get excited about this spiritual death because we know that there's spiritual resurrection happening. Um, but, but in this picture of a flood or a hurricane, man, it's overwhelming. And, and I'm not in control, and I'm also not the main character. I, I, I mean, it's, it's awful, but, but when a hurricane happens, they give the hurricane a name, and they don't tell you the names of the victims. The hurricane's the main character. The flood is the main character. The victims are just victims. It, it's, it's sad and it's terrifying. And in the spirit, man, it's a little bit terrifying too, but it's also exciting. That we could be 
flooded, overwhelmed, overtaken by the Holy Spirit. So much so that I can't take it anymore. I give up everything that I have and, and I die and am resurrected in the Spirit. It's kind of an intense image. But the reason why I say it is just because God is the main character. The Holy Spirit is the main character. If you are a Christian, it means that you have surrendered the spot of main character. You said, that's not me anymore. I'm not the main character of my life. God, you are the main character. You are in charge. My whole life is about you and what you want to do. Make, make God the main character of your life. Make God the main character of your story. God wants to use you. He wants you to be a part of his story. But it's different. It's different between, between me saying, you know what? I want to be baptized so that I can do cool stuff. And another thing to say, I've got no power to do anything and I want to surrender everything to you, God. Please, please fill me with your spirit and use me. It's important just to know <laughs> that, that he is the one who's in charge. He is the main character. Baptism is death and resurrection. And the last thing that I want to talk about is you. This isn't so much in our passage right here, um, but it's the implication of what this passage means. It's what you guys are going to talk about uh, in, in a little while. But Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, that when you're baptized, you're baptized in one spirit into the, into the body of Christ. So not only <clears throat> when, when I'm baptized do I die to myself and, and, and I'm resurrected into new life with God, I'm in, I'm in unity with God. Him and I, like, he invites me to become one with him, which is crazy and impossible, but by his Holy Spirit, he makes it possible. But not only that, but also I become united with all other believers everywhere. Anyone else who is in unity with God, I am now in unity with them as well. And that's the church. That is this worldwide, global, uh, you know, from beginning to end church. And that's, that's, that's what we get to be a part of, which is pretty crazy. Now, Foundation Christian Church is, it's not a building. And, and this group of people here, we are a church. We are a gathering of Christians. But the church is so much bigger than us. So much bigger than us. And, uh, and yeah, this is, this is what God calls us to. This is what God calls us to. We are united with each other. And just like happens later in, in Acts chapter 2, thousands of people get baptized by the Holy Spirit. They, they are immersed in the Holy Spirit. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they have this unity that's like nothing else. And what's crazy about the unity that happens there in Acts chapter 2 is that it's temporary. They share everything they, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, they have everything in common. They're selling everything just so that they can look out for each other. And that type of unity is so cool. But also, it's temporary so that we can be separated to be used by God for his mission and for his work. Um, what's cool is that I work at a camp where that's pretty much what we do. People gather together for a short time. They share everything in common. Even, like, you know, you're, you're like in a bunk bed with someone that you... you they smell weird. And, but you share everything in common. You eat all your meals together. You devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to prayer. That's what you do. But for a short while, because the week always ends. The weekend always comes to an end. 
and then you go back home. And this unity, this really intense unity is something that is on purpose, that is intentional, but it only lasts for a short while on purpose so that God can use us individually. And that's what this church gathering is too. You guys are lucky. We're, we're right here at the, at the end of the, of the message. We gather together for a short while. We share stuff in common. We're able to encourage each other. When you sing, it's not just about you singing to God, but also your voice encourages your neighbors. You have an opportunity to pray together. You have an opportunity to encourage one another. You have an opportunity to testify to one another. I have an opportunity to drink a cup of coffee and talk to each other. What we share here is so special, but also it's temporary on purpose. So that when we leave from here, we're all going to go to these different areas. Last week, Greg was talking about all these little spheres of influence that God has specifically crafted you for and given only you the opportunity to be in, where you get to be Jesus to these people. And that's part of what we do. We're here together, and then we're back into our different spheres of influence. And actually, as you read the book of Acts, there's only a couple of times where there's a big group of people working together Uh, to accomplish the mission of God. A lot of times, it's one person by themselves, or especially two people in a pair. And God God somehow calls us together in small groups, a, a handful of us, maybe a pair, or maybe just me individually, and he speaks to me and leads me towards people who need God's truth right now, right today. They are ready to hear it. Um, and, and, and so, although we gather together and we have this unity that's so special, part of the unity is getting charged up and ready to go, filled with the Spirit, so that when I'm out there alone, I know that I have these people. I know that I have these, this group of people who, who love me, who are praying, who, who are uni- united together. We're, we're on the same mission, even though we're all apart in different, different places. Um, yeah, and man, we could just testify. We could testify to the times that God has used us um, in, in small groups. Um, and I'll just I'll just share one, uh, and then and then we'll be done. It was uh, it was after a men's Bible study, uh, uh, and I went to uh, dinner with a couple of friends. It was Chris Gove and uh, uh, Aaron Cherry, who um, <clears throat> was a teenager at the time. We went out to dinner and and. We prayed for the food, and after we prayed, Aaron, I think he was 16, and he, he said, why do we pray before we eat? And I was like, well, uh, I mean, it's, it's a moment of surrender. And it's really just a symbol. Of, like, the food isn't that, it's not like we have to pray to bless the food. It's not like that. No, we're just, we're, it's just an opportunity to pause and to thank God, and, and really, we should pray before we do anything. And he said, let's pray before we do anything. And, okay, yeah. And so that's what we did that night. We ate our food, <clears throat> and we sat there at that table, and we said, God, we're not going to move until you tell us where to go. We're, we we, we want to pray before we do anything. Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And it was such an odd night. <clears throat> we went across the street and played football in a parking lot, and a guy came and joined us, and, and I'm sure that that was part of what God was calling us to do. <clears throat> then Aaron had to go home, and... It's just me and Chris, and, and we're like, all right, Lord, we're still, this is still happening. Where, where do you want us to go? And <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. 
So we, we, we got in the car and, and we prayed and said, God, where do you want us to go? And, and we listened and we tried to hear, God, okay, where do you want us to go? We, <clears throat> we got this, this sense of like, okay, a park, a bridge, a, a, a baby carriage. Okay, and so we l- walked around for hours and it led us and ending up uh, going to a house. We were at a driveway and there's these people standing outside with a, with a stroller. And we both, we were like, this is it. This is right where God called us to be. And so we go and we're ministering to these ladies sitting around a, uh, um, a fire pit on their front driveway. And we're able to pray with them and, and pray for spiritual heal- healing for them at a moment that they most needed it. And I'll tell you what, that wasn't our plan for the night. We weren't going to do that. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what we were going to do. We, exactly, we followed the Spirit. What we did, what we were going to do was eat dinner and go home. And instead, we said, okay, God, what do you want to do with us? What do you want to do with us? And it's going to lead to some uncomfortable stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm not really a huge fan of walking up people's driveways and talking to them. But when God calls us to it, man, it means that there's something so much bigger going on. Because he's the main character. And I just get to be a part of the work. It's a miracle that he invites me to be a part of his work. So today, we're going to pray, and, and, and I want to invite you guys to, to be a part of that mission. And I know many of you are, and, and I know some of you are, are still in that season of waiting, of like, okay, God, what do you want to do with me? What, what do you want? And for some of you, maybe you just need to get to that season of waiting, of just saying, God, I won't move until, you, until I hear your voice. And, and maybe for some of you, you haven't really felt his voice like that yet. And that's all the more reason to wait. It's all the more reason to do a little experiment to say, God, I don't want to move until you tell me to. So let's pray. Lord God, you are king. You are in charge. Thank you for saving us. And, and, and Lord, we know that we were powerless. We were just dead in our sins. And you brought us to new life through your Holy Spirit. So God, now that we're alive, we, we're yours. We want to be used by you for your mission, for your kingdom, God. Help us to, to be selfless and, and humble, to only have our eyes set on your glory and your kingdom. Lord, help us to just get out of the way, to not be caught up with our own agendas or our own dreams, but instead to be, instead to be pursuing you with everything that we have. God, help us to really look like the church. God, help us to, to frustrate and confuse people around us because there was a time where we were frustrated and confused until we met you. Lord, I know that we're going to annoy people. We're going to make them angry. But Lord, help us to, to, to not be afraid of what they think and instead to only be concerned with what you think. Help us to not be annoying just for the sake of being annoying. Help us to really listen to you and do only what you say. God, it's such a scary prayer to ask, but please help us to be totally selfless and only be used for your glory. Help us to live like the disciples right here in the beginning of Acts, chasing after you, waiting upon you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this family, Lord, that you have called us together for this purpose, for your mission. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen going to hand it over to Melissa for a couple of announcements. This is also my son Judah and my dad. Oh, it's a, it's a tag team. Here we go. They're going to do a skit. No.
All right, Judah, your first announcement. What do you want to say? He's got nothing to say. Okay, so there's a few things I just want to make sure that you know. One, The first is tonight at 5 o'clock, there is a missions fundraiser dinner. So if you like Mexican food, come and support that. If you don't like Mexican food, just give them money later. Because it's a... It's a, it's a foundation, you know, we're just supporting our missionaries. Um, secondly, there's a women's ministry uh, meeting, looks like, in the Pringle, is that right? Pringle Building, room two, um, April 30th, right? So there's a flyer there for the ladies. There's also in the, in the back table, there is a sign up for volunteers for our VBS this summer. No? Oh, what, oh do you want to, do you want to say stuff? I just, I didn't, I didn't want it to be. Oh, okay. Take it away. Good morning, everybody. Hard to believe, but it's that time again, getting ready for VBS. Um, this year, I'm super excited.